Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Bullimore. This week I'm joined by Micah Chudley. Uh, Micah, QPR a shit again. Um, isn't yeah. it nice to be back at square one? Yeah, it was. It, it all felt very poetic around the, the 88th minute on um on Saturday, crashing back to earth. Yeah, I think midweek we had like a. Some people were sort of saying, you know, it's it's all right to have a bit of a reality check every now and again. Um, and I think it would always that Plymouth result looks different through the lens of Saturday and could have looked very different again had we not conceded two late goals. You walk away from playing two of your rivals in the relegation zone, draw and a win. And from where we've been, you'd have gone, yeah, that's really good. Suddenly yeah. now just a draw... And then uh, doesn't feel as great, does it? Yeah, I think you've got that added context as well. That like, had we won that game, I think we we'd be like nineteenth. I think we would have like mm. leapfrog double as well. Um, yeah. And obviously, I mean, not, like, not to get really ahead of ourselves, but if we won the Plymouth game as well, you know, we had put we had majority of that game against ten men, and we were leading into the small hours of that game against Sheffield Wednesday. It, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but like you said, we could have been, we could have had a pretty sizable gap. Yeah, that's or at least a gap, you know? And we'd have been certainly in the more sort of mid table range. For sure, we'd be 20, we'd be on 25 points. We'd be, we'd be about, we'd be three points clear of Huddersfield, assuming it would be Huddersfield. Um, so it's, 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 it's a tough one to take. I think as well, you probably look at the run that we've had. Um, under Marty, and this isn't to, and you know, I'm, I'll probably say some things on the pod where I, I disagreed with things that he did during the game on Saturday, but this is by no means trying to rewrite history or try and sort of point things at his position. So I think he's done a good job, but I think if you look at the run, the, the three games that you would have marked as the easiest, quote unquote, um, Rotherham, Plymouth on a bad run, and um, obviously. Sheffield Wednesday, who were bottom of the league, we've we've come away with two points from possible mm. nine. Um, you know that that is a problem that has persisted really since Warburton. In fact, if we're being honest, it's persisted long beyond that. But we do we do everything in the context of five years, and in the last five years, that has been that has held us back really. Yeah. Let's park those sensible thoughts for a time being, because I, I I would like to ask you, Mike, are you looking forward to the sixteenth of March next year? Um, um it's, it's it's not crossed my mind, but I'm sure you're going to tell me why it should. Yeah, this this is this might be a little bit of a trap because that's when we play Sunderland away. Ah, <laughs> oh, I do. You know what? I thought so much is so much has happened this week. I'd almost forgotten about this. Um, we going up there with the back. Yeah, we going up there with the pitchforks. Um, well, it depends where we are at that point, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Because if we're really, <laughs> in, if we're really in the shit, come sixteenth of March, then you know, Sefuentes could have essentially played all eleven strikers and no defenders in all the games in between, and he still wouldn't be the villain. He wouldn't be the one to blame for what happened. Yeah. He'd be the guy wearing a Sunderland tracksuit potentially. 
it you know there is it's a long time between now and march he could you know he could get another bout of inspiration and jolly <laughs> off to somewhere in the premier league well, or that, that forest job's going to be available apparently they're not in a forest job so <laughs> might be a, um, might be an offer too good to turn down you know yeah i mean the, the this is something that you know was always going to happen wasn't it he was always going to have to come back to the championship um you, you know he runs off to rangers that's fine that there's like severe trauma there that it carries on for such a long time but his managerial career was never going to go away post rangers sacking which always kind of felt a little bit inevitable uh you i think you have to be slightly mad to actually take on one of those jobs mm-hmm. So here we are, you know, we're going to play him at some point. I, that was one of the away games I was planning to go to this year. I don't, you know, I, I will probably still go, but it's a bit disappointing that I'm going, we're going to go to that game and there's going to be a little bit more riding on it. And normally that's a night, that's a good thing, but like you just want to kind of escape from this guy and we're never going to be able to escape from him. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it it probably seems like that now. We have to we have to see how the job goes. I have to say, it does feel like an annoyingly good appointment, doesn't it? Mm. Um, especially when you when you hear him talking today, with much less of a Cockney accent than I remember him having. I'm not sure what's, what's happening. <laughs> yeah, well, well, as that's been point as has been pointed out on Twitter, he's he's astute at sort of like being different, isn't he? He knows he can't be Mick. He has to be Michael. Yeah, like... Michael, what is he? Those days are over. Those days yeah. are over. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a shame because I think you know he's, it's what was, what's even more kind of a little bit. Eesh, it makes it feel a little bit worse. Is I watched his interview and he's talking about being the head coach and not the manager and not really wanting, not really wanting control too much of the transfers and just being happy to coach the team. And it's kind of like, on one hand, I suppose. That was the only way he was going to get another job back in football when you consider, you know, I mean, Kenneth Power side, all the signings for one reason or another haven't necessarily been roaring successes. And obviously at Rangers, he just signed a whole bunch of crap. I have no idea what he was doing up there. So, mm. you know, you, you probably, club like Sunderland, you know, they're not, they're, they've got their way of doing things. They've got their way of sort of recruiting players. They've got an identity. So they say, you're not having the checkbook, my friend. You just coach the team. Uh, and he's not going to find it easy there because they'll be out for him straight away. Because Mowbray was liked, really liked there. It, yeah. it seems strange. You know, it's it's a bit like that Forest sacking as well. Like Steve Cooper, another manager that's really liked around those parts. And you're going to replace him with Nuno, someone who's failed in the Premier League quite spectacularly recently. Yeah, there seems to be a lot more of these type sackings. Even Bristol City, they their fans were really upset when Pearson went. Yeah, um, there seems to be a lot of these. I don't know what it is. I I don't know what it is. Other clubs looking around and seeing, you know, maybe they they trust their structure enough that they can sack somebody and say, I reckon we have somebody better. Uh, somebody that can do better. I don't know what it is, but it, it does seem like we've got some really like strange sackings this season. Hmm. Whilst we're on the topic of March, very briefly, that looks like a very tough month. Leicester away, West Brom home, Middlesbrough home, Sunderland away, Birmingham home. I, I, oh, I, I don't really want to. I, 
that's not nice. <laughs> like, no, not is I know you have to play all the teams in the division at one point, but does it have to be in that order? Honestly, do you know what the worst one? Every time I hear Birmingham at home, I think of that um that four three. Do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mackie Wells missing penalty. Yeah, I, I in fact I've forgotten all the other fixtures you've mentioned. You just said Birmingham home, and now I'm literally just suffering PTSD. Um. Well, let's uh talk about another home game that might give you PTSD. Uh, Plymouth at home. This isn't necessarily in like chronological order of when the games happened, because I've just I've leapt at the opportunity to go and transfer to the Plymouth game. But um, this wasn't a brilliant watch. I don't think it was quite frustrating. The red card, the red card killed the game. I felt I felt both teams were kind of settling into the game. Red card happened. I, I don't know where you were sat, but at first that was it felt like the Dykes thing again where I was a little confused when I saw the guy walking off the pit. I didn't realise he'd been sent off. I didn't actually I haven't actually watched the incident back because I had no interest in watching the highlights. But like was, was that actually a red? Uh no, I don't think it was. I mean I from my angle, I kind of thought, eh, yellow, maybe. And then he pulled the red out. I was like, oh, all right. Oh. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is happening. Um it's slightly worrying that we're getting all our luck in in one go there's another i don't want to say dubious but there's a interesting call when it comes to uh, a corner conceded in the sheffield wednesday game you just sort of think at some point are these refereeing calls gonna go against us again you know like it seems like there's a lot going our way and it's just it it just is one of those things isn't it where they do even themselves out in the end and i know we had that one at leeds where Begovic got sent off, but it feels like you know, for in a couple of games, we're going to have like three really dodgy decisions go against us. Like, it just and yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it just it is one of those things, yeah. It does it even itself out? I feel like we're always on the, the, the worst end of this stuff. Like, we get some dodgy ones, but I feel like we get like seven for every like one. Like we get a Sunderland in the League Cup for every mm. um for every Stoke player getting sent off for nothing. Um I don't know. I don't know. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Going back to that Plymouth Red card, I, I at least thought why not just let Chair go through? Uh, seriously, why at, at that point in the game, what's worse? Because they cut us open in that at, at opening what, thirty minutes or whatever? at least three different occasions. One was a, a miss so outstanding in its quality of being so poor that I, I don't know how he was like right in front of the goalkeeper. Maybe I need to rewatch the highlights. I don't like you. I don't really want to, but I seem to remember one of their players being very close to the goal, right in front of the go- Begovic goal at his mercy. And he chips over the bar. And I think yeah. that guy's, I think, right, that guy's Scottish. And if you ever wonder why Lyndon Dykes gets so many national team appearances for Scotland, that's one of the people he's up against for escalating the squad. So (laughs) that's why. Um, But, you know, they cut us open so many times. Why not just kind of see if the goalkeeper can save it? Maybe he might save it. You go one nil down, but you you go one nil down and you played better to that point. 
I don't know, but it's all these things that there's not enough time to think about that. You just do, don't you? You, you just I slide think, in. But I if think you slide in like that and you give the opportunity to the referee to make a decision, he's going to make a decision. And it, these EFL referees are a little bit shit, sometimes very shit. So he will probably send you off. Like I think, I think in his head he's thinking, if I just clip him, it's a yellow. Like I just we've stopped an attack. Like it's a tactical foul or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Oh, if I just clip him, it's a yellow. I think what's happened is, the, I I don't I, again I haven't watched it back from where I stood. Like it looked like a foul. I wasn't sure it was a red card, but like he's clearly got he's clearly hit him higher than I thought he'd hit him or whatever. And the yeah, rest, just that's the thing. Them. He's gone too high, flailing legs, studs up, and the refs seen it from a certain angle, and it's just going to look awful. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like I guess I guess stemming from the red, I think that's probably kind of I I just kind of felt like when when we went down to ten men, it was like oh, neither team is scoring today. It just felt like it's again, I'm talking about like this is this is a recurring theme and maybe we'll get onto this, but like some of the old sort of I don't want to say bad habits, but limitations of the team sort of come out and it's that like we really do ha- and always have struggled breaking down teams when they sit off us like we we're okay with teams when they press us and we're happy to pass it around them and we're good at passing it around them but when it comes to actually like you know you know teams sort of just settling with two banks of four I'm not saying that's what Plymouth did but obviously they set off a lot more with 10 than they did with 11 we just don't really just have the means of kind of sort of breaking down low blocks and we haven't really for years yeah Uh, the thing is that they weren't really putting much pressure on us prior to that red card in the way of trying to force us off the ball. We were making errors of our own. They were set yeah. up really well, I, I thought. Yeah. But definitely. it was kind of like we just it, it was fine until suddenly it wasn't. Like all yeah. of a sudden we would do something so outrageously stupid that and they would break at us with pay with I don't know if it was pace, whether it just pe- was looked quick in comparison to and how pe- slow we were. But we were really sloppy. We were really, really sloppy. And it may be that red card saved us from losing the game. So in the end, yeah. it's a good point. But on the on the bare face, we had 10 men. Uh, we had 11 men for majority of that game. They did not. And all those things that we did well at the weekend against Hull, where you know the right subs were made at the right time and the subs came off the bench and have made an Im- impact, Ditto for the Stoke game, you know, like Cannon coming off the bench there, massive change, was brilliant. Cannon yeah. coming off the bench at Plymouth, very different. We weren't really going at them, I thought, sort of quick enough. It was too slow. You kind of know, I understand, like we were talking about this in our group chat, and I think yeah, Dan made the point that maybe <clears throat> Martier hasn't had an opportunity to coach them against t- 10 men and sort of do that sort of scenario in training. Yeah, However, I, I I do think at some points there is kind of like, you know, footballers have got to be able to read their own game that they're playing in rather than just relying on the manager the whole time. I'm not saying like drastic sort of stylistic changes and expecting them to sort of completely rip it up. But, you know, maybe just sort of thinking along the lines of, if the intensity just goes up a little bit, if we may be creating a few more overlaps, pulling players about a bit, <clears throat> rather than being a bit too slow of the play, because you know it never felt like we had a man advantage. Maybe no, that know. is because Plymouth were so well organised. But for us, for me, 
it going forward when we had a lot of the ball. That was really disappointing. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. But um I mean you know, again, I mean it's 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 a clean sheet, at least. I know Plymouth didn't really threaten too much after after the red, but it's a clean sheet again. We'll get on Saturday and maybe that negates this point. But we have looked more solid. I've seen somewhere it's the first time in, in two years we've got three clean sheets in a row. Something crazy. That is significant. You can't you can't sort yeah. of like... I, I know you can play stats to your own sort of advantage sometimes, but that is a pretty significant one. That's significant because I think that even goes... I might have to check that stat. I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will tell me. But I think that even goes past like the the sort of, I'm not even sure what we're calling that season now, but the ball burton season where we, we sort of fell away at the end. Uh, but yeah, but to be fair though, we were always good for conceding a goal though, weren't we? Like We were, but that, I, I suppose that's If you're a betting man, you'd always have that QPR game as over 1.5 yeah. goals, like both teams to score, that yeah. sort of thing. Like, ah, come on, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I, it, I, again, I, it makes I suppose, a good point. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of my point. And it's like, some some of the bad habits were curbing, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some of them persist. I mean, we'll get to Saturday again. I've said that like 50, 50 flipping times, but like some of the bad habits still kind of persist. And like we 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 have the problem of really only having about 12 or 13 that we can rely on, to be honest with you. Maybe 14. I haven't done the maths in my head, but um so like like with that like no disrespect at all like I'm I'm there clearly must have been a player in Charlie Kelman at some point because people seem to love him and he must be really great in training but like let's be brutally honest with ourselves should he be a starting right winger for us in a championship game probably not do you know what I mean some of these some of these guys that are filling in when we have players injured you know sure they're all good pros sure they all work hard are they sort of at the level for the championship, I think a lot of them are, and it makes things difficult for him. Yeah. Um, soon as you've mentioned it many times, let's jump to Saturday. I assume the Saturday you're talking about is the game against Hull. Uh, we haven't covered that. <laughs> Very quickly, I think one of the best things about that game is the second goal. That yeah. uh, Armstrong closing down. Let's see. Also up on the floor. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah, well. Like that is... It's a difficult finish as well from chair. It's not. It's, there's still two bodies in the way, and the keeper's kind of back on his line at that point. Yeah, and it's a nice sort of bit of composure from Willop, which is something we're not too f- sort of familiar with from majority of our players. But you know, he could have really quickly tried to get that ball away, but he waited, yeah. waited yeah. for the, ball, the players to arrive in the box because. You know, not many players are going to be able to keep up with Sinclair Armstrong, so that's completely understandable. Um, but yeah, that was a fantastic goal to score. And, you know, you can forgive us for getting a little bit carried away at that point because it it did feel absolutely fantastic. Back-to-back home wins, a win mm. away, slap it, you know, sat in between that as well. And at that point... You know the the confidence was flowing. I think around the fans, whole world uh, were and are still a decent side, um, and we played a pretty decent game against them. Having said that, the difference between the Hull and Plymouth games, I think, are just so stark. In you know, the, the, it's a complete op- polar opposite on the possession count 
and it's clear that sort of when we come up against these teams that want to have more possession, we're going to play slightly better with the way that we set up at the moment with the way the players that we have we're just better on the on the counter really yeah yeah um yeah it's kind of my point i wanted to make about point i wanted to make about saturday in terms of like maybe the changes he made i didn't necessarily agree with but yeah like we 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 do have that i suppose i agree with you yeah so then if i was to say something like it's just ainsworth full but better well, no, we better executed. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> go that far, but like, yeah, like I mean, his his big thing when he came in, when he said it was kind of effectively saying not just having possessions for possession's sake, like we want we want to have possession with intention, and that comes with you know knowing when to be a bit more direct, knowing when to go short. You know, um, yeah, like a lot of uh, it's 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 good, I think, for him that early on even casual fans are sort of able to see his sort of imprint on the club already or like what is the, the things that he's said are starting to come to fruition in terms of style of play. So it's good for him. Let, let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday then because you are clearly keen to talk about it. Five changes to the team, right? This, I guess, you know, it's a symptom of having to play so many games at this point in the year. We are coming into a very, very busy period. So expect some more games probably where we make five changes or less or possibly even more. Who knows? But Cannon comes in. I think it's Clark Salter, uh, Dixon Bonner, Smith and Armstrong. Probably, I'm right in saying the first time he started Armstrong, isn't it? It is, yeah, it was. So... I mean, when you refer to the players that aren't quite necessarily good enough at this level, any of those players, I mean, thinking in the nicest possible way, Armstrong has many good qualities, but he is still quite, I feel like, quite clearly missing out on not having that sort of work experience at a lower level. Yeah, you know what, I'm I'm always 50-50 on this because I'm like, Obviously, he needs game time on one hand. On the other hand, I'm like, one, is his body ready? Because the guy completes 90 minutes very rarely. Secondly, I'm like, what does he stand to achieve from going on loan realistically? Because those top League One clubs probably aren't going to take him because they've got their own project that they're working on or their own loan player from a Premier League club or their own kid from their academy that they're using. So he probably lands at a mid-table League One, bottom half of League One team. And realistically, a guy with that much size, cause that much pace, like, what are they going to do with him? They're just going to effectively do what Ainsworth did. He's just going to be a battering ram. Like, when he needs to improve himself technically, he needs to improve his touch. I'm like, is it really worth sending him somewhere where he's going to be chasing long balls and going 50-50 with Decembers and battering them with defenders and battering them. I just I just I just don't I just don't know. Um I, I wasn't really thinking of him when I thought of sort of players that aren't really at it for this level because I think although he's lacking the goals a little bit, I think what he gives us is what none of our other players really give us other than maybe Smith, which is kind of like just pacing behind directness like 
we can't break down low block teams because with with all due respect to Lyndon Dykes, his game isn't running in behind and finding space in behind defenders, is it? It's really finding those pockets of space to sort of bring other players into the game or, you know, fashion the chance for himself. So you 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 have you have Armstrong there that, you know, okay, yeah, he's a bit raw in terms of his finishing and whatnot, but he gives us like opportunities to sort of stretch defensive. So I, for one, was quite disappointed when he came off when we were sort of like holding on to a 1-0 lead. Mm-hmm. It, it, felt, it felt, I understood, he said after the game, I said I said this in the chat after the game, and then I think after he come out and said, look, I felt we, I felt we weren't sort of retaining the ball well enough. I brought on Dykes to retain the ball. Um, I can't remember who we brought. Smith you want me to read out the subs? Yeah, who did he take off Smith for? Because Smith was another one who I didn't really want to... He took to Smith off. off and Kake Kakai came on. I nearly just did the commentator's version. Yeah, um, he, he brought on Aussie on the 73rd minute. Obviously, Dykes at half-time came on. Willock came on at half-time for Cannon. I think you're saying that's because he was on a yellow. No, I, I thought apparently Cam, didn't Cannon get a knock? Or am I imagining yeah, knock. that? Okay, he was on a yellow then, as well. It may have been both, it may have been two birds, one stone. And then the other player to come on is Cook for the Zell in the 83rd minute. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Cook for the Zell, Will it for Cannon, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really have a problem with those substitutions, and the reasoning seems pretty sound logic. I think we just lack so much pace, and, and this goes back to like the same limitations we kind of had under Warburton, and you know, that's that's really more than anything, nobody's fault. It's the playing squad. It's the it's the money that we have. We had to build a squad a certain way. I'm, I'm not begrudging anybody, but I'm saying that's the limitation we have. So when you have that pace, you know Armstrong's electric. Smith is electric. They're our two quickest players. I'm not you know different horses for different courses. I'm not saying they both have to play every week and we have to we have to be electric on the counter attack every week. But I did feel not having at least one of them on the pitch. And the amount of pressure that we were soaking up, it did kind of seem like a waste that we were just sort of retaining the ball instead of trying to be a little bit more, you know, bloodthirsty on transition. That that I don't know. That's kind of how I saw the game. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, fair enough. Um, the goal then that we scored, I think this ties back to Plymouth. Chairs kind of doing the instinctive thing that he does well. Coming off off the what's it's gonna be the left this time, cutting in, shooting on the right foot, cross or shot, doesn't matter. Someone might get on the end of it, our player or their player, or it might just fly into the back of the net. It is yeah. it's a Ilias chair trademark goal, basically. And the age old age old trick. It is the age old trick. And it and it's lovely to see it, you know. When he when he brings it out, you're just like, that's nice. That's it's really good. And and it it is really comforting at times when he does it right yeah. it, it felt like on a few occasions there was a bit too much holding on to the ball against Plymouth so when I saw that I was at least like okay you may not be playing brilliantly but you know if chair's in the mood then QPR are a better team for it if chair's doing that QPR are a better team because that's how we score majority of the goals it goes without saying that that can't be the only trick in the locker, you know, there has to be other ways to score goals. And this was a a problem under uh, Mick Beal, especially towards the end. But, you know, 
it, it's it's good, I guess. I, th- I think also the, the the amount of slow mos that are, I've seen of it doesn't quite give it justice. Obviously, how quick that ball was put into the box, yeah. really fizzed in. Like, yeah, none of that loopy stuff. There was it, that. That is a good cross, at least I'd say. Yeah, and I I, I was kind of I'm with you in that. I was getting frustrated at how much he was holding up the ball because I didn't really understand because the past few weeks he's been so like incisive with mm. his decision. And then again, it's that same I'm I'm literally gonna sound like a broken record, but it's the same old bad habits, you know. Like we're we're we we were not even really chasing the game and he he was sort of trying to win the game by himself, hold on to it, step over, step over, stop, sort of like I'm not going anywhere, I'm just gonna pass it back to Dizel now. Like like oh, like it's 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 a sour kind of way to go into this Christmas period, considering all the momentum we've built, isn't it? Yeah, it it, it really is. Um, but with QPR, you, you kind of you never really predict what QPR are going to do next. And we've got Southampton on the weekend, and we're not really going. We won't go into too much detail on that. But would you be shocked if we went and beat them? Like, just take yeah. the simple things of what we've taken so far. A team that we're, we're going to come up against that like to have majority of the ball. We're going to play them on, probably going to play them on a bit of the counter. Will we have 30% of the possession? Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Is Chair and Willock going to be able to sort of like do, not have to run the game themselves? Are they just going to have to be, be there in certain moments, cut in, take a shot when they're, when Southampton are maybe sort of recovering from their own plethora of attacks. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. Micah, we're going to win 2-1. I, do you know what? I give us a good chance just be, just off the fact that, one, we 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 done well there in August. Was it August we played them or September? Yeah. I can't remember. But we I don't know if anyone remembers, uh, Ryan Colley just sort of just like froze in front of goal and it ended up sort of like half shooting, half cutting it back to Sinclair Armstrong. So we nearly got a point there under Ainsworth when we were supposedly at our worst. Um, on top of I, that... Sorry, I remember on. watching Jack Colback's goal in the um, paddock at uh, Dutch Grand Prix. I think, like, <laughs> like, a lot of very important F1 drivers walking around like, mate, fuck off. Um, Jack Colback scored a goal. <laughs> That's a nice little name drop. We we we, we progressed past BBC London. So yeah, I was just at the Dutch Grand Prix. You know, I was just at the Dutch Grand Prix. I was I was trying to, I was trying to see if we could you know recruit many more listeners. I don't think it's worked. <laughs> it's all right. You can write it off against tax like stuff, tax. Fan. You know, <laughs> yeah. Max is Max is a QPR fan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I give us a chance, uh, just off the fact as well, that they're not going to sit off us. Um, so, like, you know, we like that. We like it when you yeah. come out and give us space in behind. We don't like it. Oh, yeah. Just... Yeah. Is it, That is a crucial thing, though, isn't it? The space in, in behind that. Wait, you know, games are better for it, though, when both teams kind of go at it, which is why the Liverpool-Man United game was crap. Um but, you know, just give the the other team just that little sniff. And, you know, Southampton will score by enticing us out as well. Yeah. We're not going to be... I mean, they'll, they'll score regardless because we're not good enough to put 10 players behind the ball and like try and survive. 
for the whole game. We know that. We've seen that happen this season already. But they've got a good chance of winning the game if, you know, if they go at us, allow a little bit of space for us to come out and vice versa, whatever. Yeah. Well, we will see. Right. So the, as I've mentioned a few times, we're going into the, the end of the game. You're thinking, can we ha- hang on here? Can we please hang on? Because I guess that is, Micah, you watched the game on Saturday. That is how it was ha- how it was going, wasn't it, right? Yeah, it started to feel very... Uh, Sheffield Wednesday are having more of the, the momentum, more of the play, but uh, they, they don't really look like they're going to score to, oh God, like we need to make sure they don't score here. Um, I think I think for me... Um, I think Marty said it after the game as well. Like when 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 we start just like dropping back, drop when the line just starts getting further and further and back, that's when I start to get like just a little bit antsy. I'm like, oh god. Mm. You can just you can just feel it coming, can't you? You can just feel like the ball's gonna hit the back of the net in the most ridiculous way possible and you're gonna be angry at someone for something. So were you angry at Jimmy Dunn, for example? Oh, you know, just purely looking off the uh, great judge of character that Twitter is, um, you know, that is one name that got banded about quite a bit in him being incompetent. And I, I wouldn't go that far. I think that's quite harsh. But Yeah, he, he does step out. And then I think, you know... It's an interesting a... thing for a centre-back to do. I'd yeah, as a, you, you'd, I'm not a... Def- I never played... <laughs> I never played defender. But I know that you know, if you're a centre back and you're going to step out from the defensive line and then sort of just go and press the man, <laughs> better go and win that bloody ball. Do you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was hoping you're going to say. Like, you can't, you can't make that sort of risk and not win the ball there. Yeah, I mean, he has two or three bites at the cherry, I think, and then obviously the guy that's beating him goes and puts the ball in the exact spot where Jimmy Dunn probably should have been standing. You know, as is as is life. Um. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose he does take the blame for that goal. Unfortunately, sorry, Jimmy, got to give it the, to you. The thing is about that one as well is like there's like three Sheffield Wednesday players just lining up there on the edge of the box, and you're like, ah, that yeah. that is not nice. That's not good. <laughs> but they're unmarked. They're marking themselves. The, our best chance in that situation is that one of them completely bollockses it up by like yeah. just panicking. But they don't. <laughs> they don't. They they finish it off nicely. Yeah, like the Plymouth player on Tuesday. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Sort of like get to that point where we're right in front of goal. You know, and the thing is about that Plymouth chance, if he was in League One last season, he'd have absolutely smashed it into the back of the net because he was on a yeah. fantastic run of form last year. But, you know, I don't know, reaction time, championship football, oh, best league in the world, something, something, yeah. something. Uh, <laughs> just something about those playoffs, eh? <laughs> um, the second goal then. Uh, it's one of these ones where you see it for the first time and you sort of, and the ball bounces off that post and you think there's like a good half an hour between it happening and then anyone reacting to it. And of course, the first person to react isn't one of our players. And it just seems to go all around everyone. Begovic has got no idea what's happening. Um, Just bad. Comical, really. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Once again, same old bad habits, but yeah, like no nobody reacting, nobody really taking control in the box, which is a shame because the past again, past few weeks, we 
turned the corner in that respect. But, you know, I suppose it's a journey. These things don't sort of get fixed overnight. But yeah, it's just it's just comical. It's just it's at, at this level against bottom of the league at one nil at half time, you want to see the game out against bottom of the league. Right. We've conceded whatever. Samfield maybe should have scored. I'm sure we'll get onto that. Um it's one one against bottom of the league. It's not ideal, but it's not a loss. You know, they're not gonna gain any ground on you. See the game out. I don't know if it's a concentration thing. I don't know if Sheffield Wednesday just got lucky. I don't know if, you know, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, it's been coming. Plymouth wasn't great. Hull was an even game in which, you know, our two quality players edged it for us. Mm-hmm. And Plymouth, you know, was pretty poor. And then Sheffield Wednesday was just the worst of the lot. And I mean, we we deserve that loss. And I'm hope I'm hoping it's a wake up call that like we're not just sort of just gonna like our like moonwalk our way out of the bottom three. Like there there's a few steps in between before we can just be like, oh look at us guys, we did it. The thing is, right, the, the two wins were really well, three wins were really enjoyable because they we were winning football games. And again, it doesn't really matter like how you win football games when you're in the shit, you know? Yeah. If what matters is that you start doing it, and it felt like that Stoke game in particular, we should have lost that. Like Stoke could have put us, should have put us to the sword. But that's why Alex Neal's been sacked as well. You know, and they are now they have actually not breaking news because it's happened about half an hour ago. <laughs> but uh, they've taken Plymouth manager Stephen Schumacher. You know, that's why they're down there too because they let a team so egregiously bad as Queen's Park Rangers back into the game where, to the point where they went on to win 4-2. That's yeah. not, you know, that is a sackable offense from yeah. what we've seen <laughs> this season. His job. That his is, job for that. He was lucky he got a few extra weeks out of it because, <laughs> you know, um, that is bad. Kind of, you know, the, the whole performance was uh, probably the best of the bunch in, in terms of, like, dealing with a decent side with plenty. And we got lucky again in the fact that one of their best players went off injured. But, you know, those are the cards that are dealt sometimes. And with due luck, it's like I said, when we're not due luck anymore, that I'm going to get worried. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it, I suppose as well, like with, with that in mind, when you talk about like those wins, I think what makes it particularly harder to sort of have the results, Plymouth I'll put aside because, you know, midweek games can be difficult, especially when you've had a run of, a couple of three-week game weeks. But I think you know, the performance like Sheffield Wednesday is particularly disappointing when you think back to Preston away, when you think back to how professional it was, compact, how how on point sort of we were in terms of decision-making, in terms of the areas of like where we tried to hurt Preston. And you think back to sort of like how... I hate using the word professional when it comes to away performances because it's so cliche. But when you think back to how professional that was versus, I don't want to say routine away from home against bottom of the league, but you know what you're getting when you're going away against bottom of the league. Like yeah. they're scrapping for every single point. We, we're scrapping for points too, but the, obviously the situation isn't as desperate. So, so it's let's... like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just. No, go on, go on, finish your point. Yeah, I'm just right. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, do you know what I mean? It's just disappointing seeing going like, one of the toughest grounds in the championship historically, Preston putting in that performance. And, you know, there was a game in, there were two games in between, but like to then be back to that sort of lethargic, sloppy, 
uh, erratic kind of last 25, 30 minutes we got against Sheffield Wednesday. It's just like, yeah, it just feels like a step back. Do you think there's anything to be said about just maybe he can't possibly do it and it will probably work out better in the long run for rotating the side, especially once yeah. we get past this point. But a more settled 11, you know, if he got, if he had the luxury of being able to pick the same 11 each week, no injuries, no suspensions, no midweek games, just a Saturday, Saturday schedule, you know, yeah, would I you mean, see that Preston performance more often, do you think? Yeah, potentially. Potentially, I mean, like, look, people will say, look, it's the same squad that have sort of shat the bed a couple of seasons running now. And yeah, I mean, you know, that's still there to an extent. That underbelly's still there to an extent. But like, it's also the same squad that, you know, put in really great performances first half of the season under Warburg. Same mm. squad that went away to Millwall last season and won, and that's a difficult place to go. Same squad that went away to Sheffield United, who are... Okay, in name only, a Premier League team, but like you know, these. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sheffield United. <laughs> but like, you, <laughs> do you know, do you know what I mean, though, right? No, like, no, you. It's so true. Like, the, I mean, they the, look the more like a Premier feeling. League side now, but yeah, like now, currently at that time of recording, um, like, for the... like, like the team's ceiling, it feels like is high, and the team's floor, like, is extremely low, and that I feel. It just comes down to like there's there's thirteen or fourteen. Like if one of the centre backs gets injured, it's all right because you know, Clarkson, uh, Dunn, Cook. Like all right, that's three. Morgan decent Fox backs. still exists. I'd like to remind you all. Yeah, uh, at some point, Morgan Fox will be available. Yeah. So like that's what I mean. Like yeah, one 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 maybe two centre backs can get injured. We'll be all right. And you know, one of the centre mids can get injured because we've got Dazelle, we've got Field, we've got Dixon Bonner, we've got. Who else plays for us? We have other Colback, yeah. Yeah, we have other footballers, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like if if <laughs> yeah. if Chair if Chair gets injured, we have to beg Taylor Richards to like give us a step over. Or like if 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 Dykes gets injured, I know I was just picking up Armstrong, but if Dykes gets injured, we just have to pray Armstrong's uh, hamstrings can hold up. Have you ever night. have you ever watched Aliens film? Uh no, I actually haven't. Okay, there's a bit in that where against all sort of insurmountable odds, they're all st- stranded on an alien planet with these xenomorph killing machines that are, and they're so helplessly outgunned. Uh, and I, I've forgotten the actor's name, but he kind of has a mental breakdown and he's just going, that's it, man, we're done. That's it, we're finished. Like, that's every QPR fan if Chair gets injured. Yeah, like it's like that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's that's where we are. And like again, it's nobody's fault. Like we can we can we can have a whole podcast about whether the profit and sustainability rules are you know aiding the championship or it's actually sort of squeezing it to the point that only the top clubs can really thrive in it. That's a whole other discussion. Well, don't like, get, don't get political there, Micah. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. God. Yeah. But um. That, that those are the cards we've been dealt in essence, and you yeah. know, like, yeah, there, there's something to be said about oh, we need, you know, maybe we need to start seeing more of the academy players. This is what we have. Like, we'll see. Like, the, I feel like this season is kind of like just By stay. Any up. means stay up because just stay up. The picture looks that ever little bit more rosier next year, and the fact that more money 
in the championship because of the refreshed TV deal, right? Oh, because the TV deal. I thought you were talking about our, our lovely new stand that we just... Uh... Oh, obviously the lovely new stand as well. I mean, it's not new. Yeah. It's just got a new... It's going to have a new name on it. The lo- no, it's a, it's a brand new stand, Alex. <laughs> is it brand, brand new? new? Okay. Yeah. All right, the, fair enough. The loft is gone. It's now the Loftus engineering stand. This is a whole new stand. That must be... Oh, God. I'm not going to say that because that, that would probably be unfair. Uh, but, yeah, look. It would be the if you're going to pick a season to go down, this is not the season to go down because even if next season you're shit, you've still got you've banked a bit of money from being in the championship when it's the yeah. most profitable point to be in the championship. So, you know, by any means, stay up for God's sake, yeah, like any possible means. Let's and move. I think for sorry, us as well, sorry, before before we move on, I think for us as well, like we have to remember, like. We we roll out the that abhorrent sort of spending under Warburton that rolls out of our FFP next season. So I'm not saying we're going to have millions and millions to spend because with QPR in the situation is still the same, but like we're just going to have that little bit extra space to sort of untighten our belts a little bit. Well, um, you'd think the fact that we didn't buy a player this summer con, we haven't loaned a player as of yet. That could probably and. I would imagine that will change come January, but for a good portion of the season, we haven't had to deal with loan fees, sort yeah. of like fifty percent of extortionate Premier League wages, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, Begovic and Cook and Colback could be on horrendous deals. You don't know until like it all comes out in the wash. But mm. you would like to sort of hope that those sort of things put at, you know out there, not having to shell out transfer fees. You know, loans aren't free as people have said many times, there is such a thing as a loan fee. It's not like football manager. Football manager gets more realistic each year, but there's like, you know, those loan fees that go with it, you've got to pay millions or something like that just to loan a Premier League youngster. And they might not even be any good. Yeah. So there's that. So, you know, hopefully, like you said, that that Warburton spending rolls out. Yeah, who knows? Let's talk about someone who was signed under that Warburton spending then. Um and it's been a you know, it's been a mainstay of the side for the last couple of seasons, play of the season last year. I know you think it should have gone to Kenneth Powell. I'm inclined to agree with you there. Um I think at the time I said, and again, might be a bit harsh, but they basically gave the award to Samfield because he actually turned uh, turned up in games. I'm not saying turned up as in played really well. He was on the pitch, like it was a he participation was awards. He was at the games. I mean, you know. he was in full kit. Yeah, yeah. like he sort of he turned up on time. He's a real good egg. Uh, we've been really bad this year, but he's he's been all right, you know. Um, yeah. and I've I've had my opinion about him a few times. Sort of said he's limited going forward, and whether that's acceptable for a championship midfielder or not, I don't know. It, it, in certain systems, it will probably work much better when he can just do the mopping up defensive work. Yeah. But going forward, it, his passing is not good enough. It's sideways a lot of the time. It's slow. And that chance that he had, oh my word, put some meat on the bones of that shot, please. He's had that, he's had that chance a few times as well, hasn't he? Like he's had yeah. that, that same sort of position. He's had... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to talk about him, isn't it? Because it feels like if you try and talk about him 
like too honestly. It feels like you're criticizing him, and I, I don't want to criticize him because I do like him as a player, and I think for what he is, as opposed to what some of our fan base pretends he is, I think he's very good at that sitting in front of the defense, mopping up. We cannot deny like he has an issue turning on the ball. He turns very slowly on the ball. I don't think Jack Colback is particularly known for sort of being like a technical David Silver type midfielder, but sometimes you oh, see him. Oh, hefty comparison there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, were yeah. You, I, I hope that was like the first name that came to mind. <laughs> that was the first name that came to mind. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm not saying he's that, but like watching him turn on the ball compared to field sometimes, I'm like, God, like this isn't even, like I said, this isn't even like a top sort of good in tight spaces midfielder. This is just like a guy that's played his trade in the championship most of his career and look how much quicker he turns on the ball. So he's not particularly great in between the lines. He's not particularly great on the ball, but he mops it up and he makes tackles. So like, I don't know. I, I know we want to believe that he's Steven Gerrard. I know we want to believe that he's Yaya Toure, but like he's not. And like he he's also not immune from criticism either. I think since Marty's come in, he has stuck out like a sore thumb a little bit. He's had good games, but in some games it has been a bit like, like we're moving the ball nicely and you're just kind of killing the vibe a little bit. Like, like and like <laughs> at first it was like, oh, like he doesn't really play particularly well with Colback. And uh, then we took Cole back out of the team and then we had Dizel and Dixon Bonner in the team. And it's like, oh, Dizel's playing well, Dixon Bonner's playing well. You know, Sanfield, he'll raise his level eventually. And it's kind of just like, oh, like, oh, this is a bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting though, because it, it, he was signed by a manager that liked to keep the ball and he was, he won a lot of plaudits in his first season for us and his second season. But what? Why is it that he struggles now under Sifuentes, but it wasn't as obvious and as bad under Warburton? Was it the fact that he had like Johansson next to him majority of the time, and you just pass it sideways to Johansson, and then he takes over? Um, I don't necessarily think he's been bad. Let me just like re- let me just sort of clarify that. I don't think he's been bad. I think he has left us wanting a bit, especially considering the praise that he got from the fans last season. Maybe it's not fair to hold that against him, but like, you know, every time he completes an eight yard pass, like everybody sort of just stands up and claps him. And it's like, well, you know, we, we need a bit more than that. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm getting onto him, but it's like, I think it's just more, I don't know what, I don't know what it is because you're right. We always have played possession football, but then I do feel like a lot of us bringing the ball out from the back, like Rob Dickey did quite a lot of that, didn't he himself? And so mm. he sort of just would just dribble out and bring it out and like yeah, had a little less responsibility on field and build up. And like you said, Johansson was next to him and obviously Johansson's a lot more comfortable on the ball than than most footballers. Um I think now he's sort of left in this position as well because he's he's always kind of he's always sort of tried to pitch for that oh I can play further forward I can play as an eight thing, and like a couple managers have tried it and they haven't. But honestly, it seems the further back you put him on the pitch, the better he looks. Like when he played, he played like left of the back three a few times for Ainsworth. I know those times I was kind of like eh, like 
yeah, like it doesn't really require him to receive the ball too much. He can sort of bring it out. Like he's he's decent technically, so it's enough for him to for a centre back as well. He'd be really decent technically, so he can just sort of bring it out and play in front of him as as opposed to having to you know turn and try and play both ways. Um, so I. I don't know. It's it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's just yeah. you mentioned how he looked under Ainsworth. Is this? I'm also. It's just something I thought about in the Plymouth game. I think, and I, 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 I I'm not going to put sort of like all all the weight into it, but I, I think it's something that maybe is interesting. Is that when you sort of view field through the football that we played under Ainsworth, and I think this goes as well for someone like. Kakai, and that might be a bit of a harsh comparison for Field because he's he is probably better than him. But if you play slightly worse football, where there's that less sort of technical edge to it, that doesn't just mean sort of like holding possession. It just what you know, it just wasn't good football. It was really limited. But if you're a player that puts in sort of like max effort and you try really hard, you come out of it looking good, as opposed to someone who might say, like Chris Willock, who would probably still try hard, but looks different in trying hard, if you get what I mean. Like, he's slightly more laid back in in his stuff. Not so much chair, because chair's always been that kind of, like, bundle of energy. But even he's even Chairs had that. Like you, you get that with the sort of more mercurial players or whatnot. Because even Chairs had it in the past of like, oh, he's he's self. I mean, yeah, okay, the selfish thing kind of that he can be selfish on the ball sometimes. But oh, Chair doesn't care. Chairs not trying. Chairs just yeah. Like when it, it, you're right, it's styles. Like we tend to look at like the tens. We tend. Do you remember back in the day people used to say, oh, Eze's lazy. Oh Eze, God. Like, Thank you for now, unlocking the, that memory. Bloody yeah, hell. I, I now, actually now that, moved seats at Loftus Road because of problems with that. I, I hated that, that with a passion. That was a thing for a while. And that there was a lot of other things that came into that other than just sort of his position. We won't get into that. But like that, that that's another example of it. Like you look at guys like the way they play, they play this position, and you know, like a 10 isn't flying into tackles type thing that's not how he works hard he's working really hard to find space find you know find little pocket space to be effective that's not as visible as like somebody sprinting 60 yards and making a slight tackle like like Sam Field would do mm. um I think really and this is probably one thing that I avoided the whole time we had Ainsworth because I, I just didn't want to accept that it wasn't working but um I think the fact of the matter is if your ball-winning midfielder is your standout player in any team, not just in a defensive team, but in any team, like, something's not right, is it? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so, spot on. Like, and that, that was always kind of my problem with the praise, which is like, not the praise, but like the player of the year thing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I felt Powell should have won it, but I have absolutely no like like issue with Sam Field having won it. Um, but like when people were like, "Oh, it's Sam Field," and it's it's not even close. It's like, well, yeah. like I, I'm not sure what you think that means, but like that's not good. Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> I remember at the end of last season when we played Bristol City. Do you remember that game where yes. we were promised that like we were going to unleash on them basically because we stayed up. And yeah. we're gonna like, and it didn't never materialized. And yeah. Ains took off Ains, um, field 
at one point and someone who sits near me that I have no relation to, I don't know, they are purely a person who sits near me, but it sticks in the mind, shouted out, why are you taking him off? He's the only one that can play football out of the lot. Oh, I was no. like, that isn't true. And that is worrying. <laughs> <laughs> if you, yeah. It's just the same thing. Like you can't rely on Sam Field to be that creative force in the team. And you can't think that he is the only one that knows how to play football out of that bunch of individuals. It's just, just no yeah no, that's I, not that's not no no <laughs> I don't bring myself to like entertain that that is nuts but yeah like i i just want to reiterate i like him as a player i think he's great i think he has a use in this team like and i think like i think he's a good i think he's a good player and i think he's good for the club i think clearly like he he he's a carries example he carries himself well he's a good example to probably the younger players and he seems like a nice guy but like just just because we like somebody it doesn't mean they're kind of immune to criticism, especially when there's guys that we maybe don't like so much that maybe we we haven't taken to that play well and then they don't necessarily get the credit they deserve. I think it has to be even both ways. The, the interesting thing as well is that, you know, we talk about that Warburton season, but a couple of the darlings of that Warburton side, Field, Dunn, they were like universally loved done as you've probably you've mentioned a few times was alan mcdonald reincarnate <laughs> according <laughs> to some people um and i i kind of had a i think i had a bad reaction to it because i i was like he's not amazing and that then turned to, purely because of my own feelings that turned into a bit more disliking of jimmy dunn and instead of sort of just enjoying the fact that we had a at that point a yeah. semi-competent centre back who played well alongside yeah. Rob Dickey. Um and Johan Barbe, do you remember him? Oh feels like a lifetime ago now. Uh, but you know like it it's interesting how quickly those sort of opinions change and ultimately how little they actually matter because th- they were loved, like seriously loved field yeah. and done. And they could have done nothing wrong at one point. Yeah. And now they are chastised after every game pretty much. Yeah. I mean that's it, like that that that's it, and I mean like, listen, I go to I go to a lot of games. I've been to most of the home games this season. Um, I've been going QPR games since two thousand and three, I think two thousand and three, two thousand and three. Um, so like over the years, I've seen like the the guys that sort of like rally the crowds and stuff. I've seen like the Gina Padulas, like the Gareth Ainsworths, the the Kevin Gallons. I've the Sean Derrys, the Clint Hills, the guys that have that connection with the crowd, and like I, I love those. Like I love those guys. Like some of some of my favorite moments uh, going QPR is post game where you know Clint Hill would come up to the fans, like arms aloft, and you know would spend moments with us. Like I love those type of fan favorite players. Like the game runs on that, but like I understand we've not had one like that for a few years. But you can't force it. You can't mm. just decide just because this guy's Irish. And when I was 19, we had an Irish centre-back who was captain. So now I'm going to place like all of my projections onto this guy who, you know, truth be told, probably will never play above the championship unless he's lucky enough to be in a promotion team. Like you can't just like, for, you can't just decide this is a fan favourite. So he's the best player. The best player is the best player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
You know, we can't, we got to put your projections aside. Like, you know, yeah. Either that or stick to the courage of your convictions and don't turn your back on them. Like sort of two years down the line when they're not as good as they were. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, I always think that with fans, there's you're a fan. Like, you, there's criticism, and then there's just hate, and that's not acceptable. You know, that yeah, that is just beyond. I, the I always and... find, I always find when it spills over into oh they earn such and such per week. That's when I think it's just a bit sinister. It's a bit jealousy. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, Jose Basingua days. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But when you're yes. talking about when you're talking about like the Warburton teams or like even the teams last season, I know they're a bit soft, but I don't think any of them necessarily. I mean, well, just like they're... jobbing championship players, like we forget. Like, I know it is a high level of football, but it's not the highest possible level. When like you know, you don't even have to be that good anymore to get a shit ton of money. Yeah. Andre Gray is out in Saudi earning millions, probably. But my my my, my other thing is like. Nobody is coming unless their agent is really brain dead or stuck <laughs> in 2012. Nobody's coming to QPR because they're like, oh, I just want a paycheck and then I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm gonna get out. Like, no, like I think them I think they said before, like our wage cap is like 25k a week. I don't know what they're paying at Leicester, I don't know what they're paying at Southampton, I don't know what they're even paying at Norwich. I can guarantee you it's probably like their highest guy is probably on double what our highest guy is. So it's like you yes. can't do the whole oh well, he doesn't care. He, he he doesn't care about the club. He he just wants he's just here to get his paycheck. It's like, well, he's an idiot then, isn't he? He's an idiot. You get a bigger paycheck almost anywhere else. Like sack your agent because fifty percent of the league would give you a bigger paycheck. Yeah, literally, it's probably more. I think we've got the twentieth um highest wage bill in the league. So there's like nineteen out of twenty four teams. Pay more than us. Nineteen out of twenty-three teams pay more. It's like, why your agent's an idiot? What's he doing? Which reminds me of last season when Burnley fans couldn't quite get to grips with the fact that a uh, friend of the podcast, GPR Analytics, said on Twitter that you know them having the highest wage bill whilst they played really good football was like a clear outlier in why they actually went on to win the league. Yeah, they they like, really took that personally, didn't they? They it did. I was shocked. Like, but if but you can like, if you can just pay double for what anyone else else can, like that even that player that might get like a star every week at Blackburn is going to go to Burnley and play half those games. Yeah, and it's like, well, they're like, oh well, but we made we made a profit in the summer, so like you know it it, it doesn't matter. But it's like if I'm made bankrupt, right? If I'm made bankrupt, if I'm a millionaire. And like, let's say I get divorced and I lose somehow. I, my lawyer's terrible. I lose everything except my Ferrari. And I go to the homeless shelter in my Ferrari. Somebody <laughs> says, is that Ferrari, mate? I'll, I'll give you a million pounds for that Ferrari. I take a million and I turn to the guy next to me who's been homeless for like years and go, ah, oh, see me and you, we're the same, mate. Why haven't you got a million pounds? Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to go buy a house now. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. it's like that like that, that's what it is and it's like oh well, oh, well look at our net spend like okay it cool. nothing <laughs> cool you're not you're not Brentford you're not Luton you you've been in the Prem for nine years oh shock you have sellable assets who would have thought it <laughs> like... right tangents are being wildly 
met at this point and we're not really talking about QPR anymore. And I think I'm, I'm, <laughs> we, we need to go and remind ourselves that there is other things to do in life outside of QPR. But so we'll wrap up this podcast here. Ultimately, what we're trying to say is sometimes we might be okay. You know, there's still a chance, basically. There's, I think there's still bad teams in this league. We're not on our yeah. day. We can beat other teams. We could probably beat better teams than us as well. So, you know, hopefully we get through this Christmas period relatively unscathed. Um, and you can start the new year when the fixtures sort of die down a bit again. You know, when you've got the those the January's gonna be so crucial. I've said it a few times, but we've got like we've now got five home fixtures in January, potentially six if we do go through in the cup or or four. No, it'll be I don't know when the be, fourth round be, is. It'll be, it'll be five. It'll it would be six because I'd have to do it with midweek, wouldn't they? But yeah. immediately there's less travel there. So those four those four league games, crucial. Absolutely crucial. Doesn't matter who we're playing. You're going to be better rested. You're not going to have. You're going to have more days on the training pitch. They're going to be so crucial. So we'll get to that eventually. Less traveling as well. Less traveling. Yep. Um. So yeah, let's hope we get through this period unscathed and uh, sort of you know go again. Hopefully with a generational Premier League talent on loan in the new year. So Micah, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me. As per usual, it's been brilliant. Thank you very much. My pleasure as always. Uh, so until next time, uh, we don't really have anything else to say. Um, yeah, we're actually we're coming up to a significant landmark, I think, aren't we? So I, I don't know what we're doing for that, but there is a What's significant. The There's another, you know, you know, in a couple of episodes' time. Oh, I uh... think it's significant. Oh, okay. Clearly yeah. not as significant as I thought it was. <laughs> I thought you meant something else, but okay, yeah. Yeah, I got Fair what you enough. mean. Yeah, very significant. Okay. Um, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, come on you ones.